0: Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready. Get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday and you know what the drill is. I am so fired up to be bringing you this conversation today. I got my man Coleman at Coleman cards. We get into it. We dive in deep. He's been in the game for the last couple of years, doing it full time cards, talking about dealing, talking about going to shows, just good operating in the hobby. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. You're not signed up for the weekly rip newsletter. What are you doing? Link is in the show notes, or you can sign up for free. On my IG profile, just hit the link, drop your email, and you'll get the weekly rip every Friday. It's Friday. Let's go. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Friday show. I'm pumped up for this episode. I'm joined by Michael at Coleman Cards. He is someone who I have been following for quite some time, watching on different YouTube channels and listening to his perspective. Um And I think it's it's pretty sound. Uh, I learn a lot. Um, and just in, in following him along the way, hopefully we can have a conversation where you will go out and learn something. I think what, what we're trying to do in this one is talk about going to shows and just things that you can be thinking about and being a little more proactive um, than just going to the show and letting it all hit you. But without further ado,
1: Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Brett. I appreciate the kind words, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours. Been following the pod for a while and stuff. And I think uh, my favorite thing is the, the tweets that you put out and stuff. I've been following those for a long time and everything. And I'm, you know, before I put two and two together, who was doing the tweets and in, in your pod? Because um, I just saw, you know, Brett McGrath for the tweets and everything. I uh, I was I was like, who is this? Who is this man with these like wisdom, these like these wise tweets and stuff like that? I thought it was so cool and like mysterious. And then I connected the dots and I was like, Oh, got it. Okay, cool. It's Brett from huge fan, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. I I, I got to just start here. So I think you have a, a little, you have a brand and I think part of the brand in just the circles that I'm in and pe- when people talk is you're part of this like West coast, California contingent of dealers, collectors, and it kind of centers around Kind of Burbank, and we're all fans of Burbank. We follow Rob and what's happening at the shop. And I think you know I I can say I'm jealous that I can't just jump in a car or jump in an Uber and hit hit Burbank regularly. But what's it like, just with that group of collectors, content creators, Burbank? um, A lot is happening where you're at with uh, the hobby. So I just
1: love some perspective off the top. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, I'm extremely fortunate to be exactly where I'm at, and I kind of, you know, fell into Burbank um, a couple of years ago and stuff because I, I moved out to LA six years ago. I moved out to pursue acting. Within a couple of years of being here and stuff, I started like looking. I brought my collection over from Arizona um, about a year after being here, and uh, and and started like you know selling off some cards and buying some other ones and stuff like that. And then it started like putting me through a rabbit hole of like, oh, what card shops are around and stuff like that. And uh, I went to some card shops in the area, and then I like put two and two together. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Burbank Sports Cards is like right here because they're in California. And I'd already, I'd, I'd always read about them in Beckett's and everything when I was a kid and stuff. And I, I remember one time uh, when I was like 18, I came out to California to film a short film with uh, a buddy that was going to USC uh, School of Cinema at the time. And um, we went to film tools right across the street from Burbank, and we were picking up some camera equipment, and I saw Burbank sports cars right next door, and I was like, "Oh man, I really want to go in there, but like we're doing the thing, so I never did. And then to actually go in there, you know, almost 15 years later, uh, it was like 10 years later, I guess, was really cool. But when I went in there a couple years ago, like they I mean, they had a showroom, but it wasn't much. There wasn't really much going on. Ryan, um the son of Rob, uh, who, who runs the business with Rob was, you know, in his office and everything. And he was willing to like, you know, do trades and stuff like that, but it wasn't really what it is now. And then to see it kind of go along with, you know, like the hobby, like see both of those grow and everything and see what Burbank has become has been so cool. And, you know, shout out to Burbank sports cards, Ryan and Rob are amazing. Um, I owe so much of like, like what I'm doing now to them, obviously, because I do so much business with them and I've been down there so many times and learned so much from them. And they got a new shop opening up here um any day now. They're just waiting on some some stuff to come through and stuff. And then they're gonna have this big grand opening of their new, their new store, which I can't wait. Um, literally, like they have this tiny showroom attached to a huge warehouse and it's like the tip of the iceberg, basically. And then you go in back and you see this massive warehouse of cards, and it's like my buddy uh made a great. Uh, metaphor for it it's like when you go it's like this like harry potter-esque thing you walk into the back and there's like goblins that can just pull cards in like two seconds and stuff i'm not trying to compare any of the interns to goblins they're all great looking people and stuff (laughs) like that but it's similar to that and it's it's really cool and um yeah so 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 um like there's a contingent of people that go in there and collectors and dealers and stuff like that everybody knows of it after a lot of local shows, people will literally go right to Burbank after the show and stuff to either buy or sell, usually to sell stuff and, and stuff like that. It's during like the heat of the hobby here, like in the last couple of months when things were like at the peak, like when things were going crazy, it was insane at Burbank because there was like you know a table out front, tons of people hanging out, deals going down, just in the parking lot. and then inside too, it was mayhem. It's definitely like simmered down a little bit with like the hobby, you know, with everything kind of coming down in price. You know, a lot of those people that like kind of are around aren't as ra- around as much anymore. People kind of go back to like their other things and stuff because I think you know the hobby for a lot of people is just what it is. It's a hobby. It's an auxiliary thing, and and when you know prices go down as much as they do, they, they they go away a little bit. But yeah, there's still a ton of collectors and dealers that make up that contingent and stuff. And I'm just super grateful to be able to drive 10 minutes down the street and go to Burbank like as a way to get away from like you know my routine and everything, and then. Do a couple of deals, maybe buy something, maybe sell something, and then come back and do a pod with you know you. That's so, yeah. awesome. I'm not going to be able to
0: look at uh, Burbank on Instagram anymore without thinking of Harry Potter. Thanks for dropping that <laughs> vi- that visual. Uh, maybe someone, maybe we get a James to do a like cardfather Harry Potter uh, a meme to put that out there. Um, oh, that'd be so good. But you, you, you mentioned like, you know, people, uh, you not seeing so many people during the dip and, uh, maybe things have pulled back. I think we all fought. I followed Burbank on IG during the entire pandemic. You'd see the line out the door and it was just absolute madness. You know, you are someone who is in the game, like you are in it. And I feel like in order to to best set up this conversation of just like, being at card shows and and kind of your role and what you're looking to accomplish, i'd love for you to maybe just describe like it is a hobby for a lot of people, but it's also a business for a lot of people too, so maybe share some perspective on your background and day to day in the hobby, yeah, definitely so
1: you know i've been doing this full time as a business for like two years, which you know kind of puts me in the in the group of people that you would say are new to the hobby as far as like doing it full time. I've been a collector since I was like 10. I've been really heavy into it. And then I've like, you know, taken like a hiatus, like a a couple of year hiatus at points in my life and stuff like that. Um, And usually it was because of, to be honest, it was because of like, you know, like an underlying like sense of shame and, and embarrassment and guilt around it. Um, that like, this is something that kids do. This is like, you know, this isn't something that like adults do. And most, you know, mo- cause it was always about like girls and stuff like that. I want to tell girls about it. I want to show girls like my basketball cards and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so I've done it for, I've collected and, you know, bought and sold for a long time, but, you know, turned turned it into a full-time gig, like a couple of years ago and stuff like that. I mean, that being said, I'm, I'm pretty new and stuff. Like, I'm not like one of like the Titans, like, you know, like the, um, you know, the RBI crews or the big boy sports cards of the world or the MC sports cards, like these guys like have been around for a long time. They're great at what they do. And, uh, they're, you know, they're dudes that like, you know, I aspire to hopefully be like at their level someday and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's been a wild ride obviously during the, you know, the pandemic and everything. And, and as of late, I've just been going to as many shows as I possibly can and stuff. So I can try to conduct, you know, do as much business and obviously meet as many people and, see as many cards as i possibly can and um i've just been having a blast doing it because you know i I don't have i don't have a family i mean I, i have a family i don't have i don't have a wife or i don't have kids so i am in a unique position to where i can be able to travel if i want to and stuff and um now that i you know have the business and have an llc i can write everything off as expenses which is really you know nice so yeah i've been trying to go to as many shows as i can as of late just trying to you know get my uh my ears wet a little bit as far as like, uh, you know, some of these, um, guys that have been doing it for a long time and learn from them and everything. And, uh, I've just been kind of like going at my own pace and stuff. And, and, and I feel pretty good about what I'm doing, but, um, you know, got a long way to go as far as like what I, what, you know, what I would like to do and stuff. And it's just been cool. Cause, uh, again, I'm a collector and everything. So, you know, when I started doing it full time, it was like, it made me think like, okay, like I got to sell like things I don't want to sell and everything. And And then you start figuring out like, okay, well, there's a happy medium. Um, There's a way to be able to put money aside to still collect and stuff like that. And then, you know, once I really started to do it, I was like, wow, like not only can I still collect things, I can collect things I never thought I'd be able to have before, which is really, really cool. That's a little bit about me. And uh, yeah.
0: When was was the moment in time where you looked at yourself and you said, you know what? Like, I think I can do this full time as a business. Like, did you have a moment in time? Was it a culmination of events? Like, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like um, 2018 is when I kind of came back. Okay. So 2018, I went and studied Shakespeare over summer in London. And then when I got back from that, I was so burned out with acting because I had done a, a lot of it for basically three or four years in L.A., and I basically, right when I moved to LA, I just went as far as I could. I, I literally took every acting class. I like got agents. I did all that. I went out and did as many auditions as I could. Um, I got some good traction and stuff. That was great. Uh, but anyway, fall of 2018, I got a little bit burned out. And I had been doing cards on the side, but I, I got really back into it and uh, was buying like a lot of stuff, selling a lot of stuff. And then that was the Luca rookie year. Um, so when Luca came out, um, I was really pumped to start collecting his stuff. So I started doing that a lot. Um, and then about what, like seven or eight months went by national came up July, 2019. Um, I had always wanted to go. Um, I was in a three-year relationship at the time I had just gotten out. And then I went to national July, 2019 and had a ball. Like, um, I I had great sales because I finagled my way into, um, a booth. Uh, somebody had like, I I basically like, you know, I, I basically said, Hey, like, this little tiny sliver of space on your booth. Like, if I gave you some money, would you let me like set up and put it dis- just put one display case on it? And so I was able to do that. I set up, I sold a bunch of stuff, I bought a bunch of stuff. I had a blast. And after that, uh, I was like, wow, like based off like how well I did, I-, I know it was national. It only happens once a year, but like maybe I could like do this more and stuff. So I started really trying to do it. Um, I- I'd say my number one thing that made me figure it out is when I, Um, when I looked back on the last like year, um, at the end of 2019, because I, um, I track everything. I track all data of everything that I sell, everything that I buy, everything that I trade. I like, so if I trade something, what I take back, I prorate it what I was into for the other card. Right. So like I am relentless with tracking my information and it started from moving to California, being afraid that I would go broke or something. I started like budgeting and like Tracking everything, and then I got like really big into Dave Ramsey. So like I'm a big Financial Peace University guy. So I like track everything, budget everything, and um, that's probably the biggest thing that helped me is I started tracking everything. And then in late 2019, um, I looked at my last. I looked at 2018, how well I did in 2018, and then I looked at 2019 of how well I'd done so far, and I started like looking at like okay, this is what I made in the month on buying and selling cards. This is what I made last month. And I was like, okay, like this is, it's a little bit above what I'm making as a bartender, just mixing drinks and booking acting jobs once in a while and stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe I could do this. And then to be honest, I didn't want to do it at all. I was too afraid to do it because I didn't want to go broke or something or whatever. One of my really good friends made me promise to do it when he figured out how well I was doing. And I And I explained to him like all the numbers and stuff. And he literally made me shake his hand and promise him. And so I did that, put in my two weeks with, started doing it. And, um, and then, you know, had a couple of rough months like starting and then found a rhythm and everything like that. Again, I was also helped out a lot by uh, the market getting hot and stuff like that. I was also helped a lot by being by Burbank. I was also helped a lot by some really smart people that were kind enough to share information with me um, and knowledge and stuff like that. So um you know I had a lot of things that helped out so I mean I don't know if there was something that was like a moment that was like oh I could do this I guess the moment would be like I looked at like my numbers you know and I was like oh like okay I made that much that month and then the month before that and once I saw there was a track record of successful months in a row I was like okay hmm maybe I could do this and then I just uh was lucky enough to have a good friend that made me decide to do it did it and uh it was honestly man it was it was a great decision because what I figured out was like, I really like doing it. Like, I really like cards. Like, even when I was bartending, acting, like anything, like I didn't really like bartending. I did like acting. Even when I was acting, man, like I'd be doing like a play or something. And like, when I wasn't on stage, I'd be on my phone, like on eBay. And I'm like, shaming myself about it. Like, dude, like you should be like sitting there trying to be in character and stuff. And it's <laughs> like, no, I'm on eBay. Like, oh man, like I'm, I really want to bid on this card right now. You know, and stuff like that. So it made me realize that like um, once I started doing it full time, I was like, oh, this is what it's like when you really like doing something because you're willing to do all the de- different things that it takes to get it done. You don't avoid any of the steps, like all the BS with tax and sales tax and all the and LLC and expenses and all the different BS that like nobody wants to deal with when they're doing something that they want to do. Um I'm willing to do it because I I like I like what I do so much and I'm willing to like make sure I'm doing it all perfectly right because I want to keep going and and I really enjoy all the fun parts of it which is going to shows and looking at cards and acquiring cards and moving cards and trading cards and stuff like that.
0: For the love of the hobby. I love to hear that. Um and we're going to jump in and talk about going to shows, but before we do that, I MC sports cars. I follow all these guys on Instagram, you know, follow, follow them on YouTube when they're doing videos. And I am like, especially my last show went to Dallas. I am just completely fascinated by like what goes into being a dealer and the entire process in the, getting cards, getting rid of cards, making profit, reinvesting, taking some money out for, for, you know, your, your rent or your mortgage, like the whole like thing, just, it fascinates me. And the fact that like the common currency is something that we all love. And I mean, I can definitely understand how, you know, once you're in it and you can go deep and, and get lost in just the process. Um, I guess from my question to you is just like, what part of it is like your favorite part? Like, do you have a favorite part? You mentioned it's a process. I think anyone who's been dealing in sports cards can relate to that, but do you have a, a favorite part of just what you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: Um, I'd say my favorite part is probably the hunt. Like is, cause I, and I think most people can relate to that. They can identify with like finding a card and getting it into your hand is like more fun than like actually having it in your hand when you have it in your hand it's like oh I like it's it's usually a you know it's I mean I just got a card today in the mail that like I I I was so happy to get this card. Um and when I have it it's like I'm looking at it it's a beautiful card and it's just like okay cool I have it now like on to the next thing. I think that's probably my my favorite part about it. But um yeah I mean for me it's 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 that. And then it's also like realizing, like, oh, like, you know what? Like, maybe if I really work my butt off, I have a shot at getting this big card that I never thought I'd be able to get before. Like, oh, I can I can see like an actual game plan on how to do it. I'd have to sell a bunch of stuff and then get it. And then it's like, yeah. So I mean, but I mean, what the the funny thing about it is it's all the same thing from two years ago. It's just the numbers are completely different now. Cause like two years ago, it was like Oh, I really want a Jordan Red PMG. Okay. Well, they're like 20 to 30 grand. Okay, cool. Well, that's so much money. Like it's going to take me, you know, I'm going to have to like sell so many different cars to try to get it. It's going to take me, I think if I give it like a year, I can probably get to it. But then like a year later, it's like a hundred thousand dollar card. And then a year later, it's like a two hundred thousand dollar card. It's like, so it's like now it's still two hundred thousand dollars is so much money to me. It's just, it's a different it's the same thing as it was two years ago when it was 30,000. It's just, it's just the numbers have changed because the numbers have changed and all the stuff that I'd be selling too. So that's really cool. Um, even though it takes away from it a little bit, the fact that like, Oh, well it's the same thing as just grabbing the card two years ago that was worth 30 and now it's just worth 200. So you gotta, you know, but, uh, I'm not quite there yet, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's, I really like that. But I think probably the, 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 the best thing is definitely to chase. Like I love, you know, when you find a card that you really want and everything and, I love like negotiating. I love that. Sometimes I love it too much to where I negotiate for deals that I shouldn't even be trying to get anyway because it's like I'm I'm buying a a car that's going down in value or something like that. But I love that. I really love that. So that might be yeah. Probably I'd say like making the deal is probably my favorite thing because I really love like being in charge of like, okay, I gotta reach out to the person, I gotta figure out a way to get them to a price that I wanna be at and stuff like that. I really like that, definitely.
0: So with the Jordan PMG example, and you know, you seeing it a couple of years ago, and it being at the price it was, and you being like, "Geez, like, there's no way I could ever get this," and then seeing the card, you know, you know, five x, ten x, whatever it is at at this point, there's gotta be just you've gotta have kind of an infatuation after seeing a card that whole way through of trying to find like, okay, well, what's the next one like this, or what could be possible, like how your speculation when you're making these purchases, is it a culmination of feedback from people, your own intuition um, data? Like, is it, talk to me a little bit about like, how would you go approach finding maybe that next card that's going to be 10X the the price of it this time
1: next year or the following year? Well, I mean, that's really hard now because I think for so long, like a lot of these cards were just a little bit, underpriced you know like for what they actually were and the significance that they have and stuff now it's really tough and and now i would say you know and i'm sure a lot of people agree with this is like if you can do if you can find those cards right now if you can find cards right now that will go up if you can um if you can uh be profitable right now uh if you can make money right now if you can you know be successful doing this and you know uh, continue to do this especially with things going down just you know I say things going down as, as <laughs> like as if like the market is like crashing or something it's not like it's just not it's just the stuff went up too fast it was way too high it was way too high. Um and now it's just like resorting down to like I don't know a sustainable level maybe like that's still 5x like what it was a year ago but anyway, if you can, I'd say if you can do all those things right now, it really shows me that you have an actual skill set. Because I think, you know, over the last couple of years and stuff like that, it's like, and I'm, I'm first one to admit, like, I was just lucky that I was in basketball cards. Like, I was just lucky that, like, I really love basketball cards. And for some reason, like, I was crazy enough to want to drop all my money on them, you know? And then all of a sudden, those got, very valuable you know like but I would say yeah like if you can yeah if you can if you can be profitable and be successful like right now and stuff that's really big but as far as finding like the 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 next cards and stuff like that I don't really know too much about like that I guess other than like there's just like cards that you just see and you're just like you just get a feeling about and stuff you know you just get you just have a feeling like that that card is an important card and like I just I know how ma- I know how bad I want it and like I've been doing it for a while and stuff and and I know how bad other people want it and so if I want it really bad there's probably other people like me that want it really bad and I don't see that card going down over time um so you know but that being said like it's so tough right now because I've had that feeling about a lot of stuff you know and then you get it or you don't get it and you see it still go down so um it's tough but I mean a Jordan PMG red, in my opinion, like I, I don't know what that card is actually worth right now. Like it's probably worth well over two hundred right now. Um, but whatever the price is, even if I like, that's one of those cards that like I would even if I got it at three hundred or something and went down to two hundred, I wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't care. Like whatever. Like uh, that's not a card that I I see going down long term, just for so many different reasons. Number one being it's like one of Michael Jordan's best 90s insert like 90s parallels and like it's a legendary card and stuff like that and yeah so i don't know i don't know i, I as far yeah as far as finding like the next things man i don't you know i, I don't really know it's so tough because it. it's it's just everything's so expensive right now you know <laughs> everything's so expensive but um, and then half the time too, like as far as like me looking for something, it's not about me looking for something, it's me. I just see something like some, or mm. something comes, an opportunity comes up to where I can get something. And I, I didn't even know it was the thing I was going to try and get. I would just say it's, I mean, like I'm not trying to say like I have like some sort of like master skill set, but it's like you have knowledge and a skill set of to be able to like recognize something like that's a good opportunity, that's a good play. And sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right, but like, you know, sometimes you're really right and stuff like that. My best play, like what I'll probably like have like etched on my tombstone is the guy that bought a Luca prism gold, like well before like it popped off and um, that I I was pretty sure about that card, but I didn't think it was going to be worth what it's worth right now. I thought like it was like a $10,000 card at the time when I bought it, I thought in like five to 10 years, like maybe it's worth 40 or 50,000 or something. So I don't know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough, man. And, and I, you know, I would always say, just be very cautious of anybody who says they do know, you know, or is like extremely like sure about things. Cause I don't know, man. <laughs> do you still have the of gold? Yes, I do. Yeah. I
0: still have it, man. Not, not, not a, ba- not a bad one to hang your hat on. Um, And I, and I, before we move on to card shows, I appreciate, uh, just, you know, your transparency and just asking the question and just, I love it. I think, uh, you know, I think everyone would be like, if you're out here sharing next picks and everything else, people would be questioning, but just like the honesty of your answer, I think is what a lot of people are, are, are going through right now, especially people that are at these shows, people that are, are, are putting their livelihood on, on sports cards. So, um, I think that's just really good perspective, but I, I know people are would be out there listening, being like, "Why the hell didn't he ask him what he got?" Can you can you share what you got on your mail day? You said you had a mail day today.
1: Oh yeah, um, I actually have it. Hold on, we right here. Um, so I got two cards that I'm pretty stoked about. Um, one is strictly like a PC piece. Um, I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan, so oh, this is a. Uh, 2005 Chris Paul exquisite uh, enshrinements and 2005 is Chris Paul's rookie year. Um, This is an on-card exquisite auto. I don't know if you can see the auto really well, but the auto is pretty much perfect. Wow. And yeah, to find like a big bright blue Chris Paul auto that's that perfect, that big, that bold on a holographic exquisite (laughs) card at a 25, I just thought it was so sick. Um, I won it on eBay in an auction and this was like a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it's just fortuitous that, you know, the Suns are doing well and stuff like that. And, uh, again, like even if the Suns got knocked out, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, I just love this card. So that's, that's cool. And, um, yeah, I mean like this, this, uh, this type of purchase in my opinion just goes like for anybody that's watching, that's wondering about like, Ooh, what, what should I buy? Just buy something that you really like, you know? Cause like, this is a card that I just really like, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes up in value, based off what's happening, obviously, but just based off of his career in general, and like you know, when he retires, everything like that, I wouldn't be surprised if this type of card goes up in value, because you can have it for about the same price as his Top Chrome base rookie PSA 10. And uh, you can't find this every day. You can find there's 200 in the population for his Tops Chrome PSA 10, but it's a more readily available card. Mm-hmm. If this isn't. And uh, it's beautiful. The IPL is incredible. So, I mean, like stuff like this, you know, I just think um, is just a sound investment, even in the market like this. And then this was the big one that I got. And I got this in a trade um, from Darius at uh, Alt. Um, This is a 2003 LeBron upper deck star rookie parallel. It's a UD exclusives gold out of 100. So it's serial numbered out of 100. Uh, The foil on it is gold. And it is uh, graded by BGS. It got a nine point five. It's an old label, really nice subs. Ten centering. The nine is on the edges. Nine point five corners on a on a black black front card. Pretty cool, and super obscure. You know, definitely high value. You know, I mean, a little scary. Like you know, getting this card at the value I got it at and stuff. But I just you don't see them. And although it's obscure. I, I don't really care because anybody who knows what this is, I won't need to sell them on. But again, like 90% of people probably don't even know this card exists. But, you know, I just think it's a really cool card. Um, I have a blaster box from this set. I literally have a blaster box. So oh, wow. yeah, it says 20 bucks, right? At Walmart <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, you know, you read the side of the box And it literally talks about, okay, like to pull the star rookie is one out of four packs. But um, there's like 50 rookies in the set or something like that. So it's like to hit a LeBron, you got to open like, I don't know, six boxes or something. Six times four, 24. No, you got to open like an entire case to hit a LeBron. That's just the base rookie, let alone to get an exclusives gold out of a hundred. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. It's just so rare, man. Like, And you don't see him like ever. So I was I was super super stoked to grab this one and stuff, and uh, I think one of the only reasons why he was even letting it go is because uh, I, I I made the trade, and I'm not I'm not gonna say I know why he was letting it go, Darius, but I think the fact that my Devin Booker put a 47 point dagger into LeBron's season the night before might have been a reason why I was able to uh, pry this card out of his hands. So. I was really stoked about that because, you know, some of this stuff, it's like, you just can't get it unless, you know, the Lakers get bounced from the playoffs and then it's, oh, LeBron's done. Like, and, and yeah, you just play the emotions of the times and stuff and you're able to get like cool cards like that. Not saying Darius wasn't fully aware of that and knowing what he was doing, just saying like, I'm sure it added to it and it added to my, you know, apprehension to actually acquire the card. But uh, I knew that that was like, you know, emotion and it's LeBron and can't
0: really go wrong. No, you can't. And what those are two badass cards and cards you just don't see every day. And then I also find it interesting. And I think a lot of people should just think this way in terms of when you're buying stuff. Like, you know, Chris Paul's on your team. You bought the card. You just mentioned you. Th- you think you got the LeBron card because of your team. So it's just like that is never a wrong, a bad strategy to just buy stuff and that's co- aligned or find opportunities that is you know. Uh, a response to what what's happening with your team, because, you know, although they are on a platform like the NBA playoffs at this point, just swept the nuggets, you as a fan are going to know what's happening with your team probably better than, you know, 95% of the rest of the hobby. So I think that's pretty cool.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's another thing too is like I watch all the games um, for the Suns and for the Mavericks. I watch all those games, obviously, because I'm very committed with the Mavericks, mm-hmm. but, um, and then playoffs, like I watch every single playoff game. You know, if I miss a playoff game, like it's, it's few and far between. And usually I'll like rewatch it or something on a replay or something like that. Um, that's a massive advantage, massive advantage. And like the, I know of too many people in the hobby that are wheeling and dealing and they do not know what's actually happening with games. They, they look at the box scores and I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you, you can't, rely on box scores to tell the story of what's happening with a player. You have to watch the game, you know, Chris Paul's,
0: I mean, so I've been advocating everybody in the hobby should have a subscription to league pass. If you're buying basketball cards and like Chris Paul's a perfect example, like, you know, although he's been, his numbers, this playoffs is ridiculous, but like what he's done for that team, is is remarkable. And it doesn't, it's taken to them to that next level. and that always is like what he does in his position as being, I'll say, you know, one of the top 10 best point guards of all time. People don't see that that are just looking at the box scores. But if you're in it and you're watching him do that day in, day out, it all kind of adds up and it makes you say, you know what? Maybe it's a good, good time to buy a Chris Paul exquisite on card rookie autograph. Like that makes a lot of sense for me. So I think I agree. Like, watch the damn games, you'll learn so much
1: you'll learn so much and, and one, like they're entertaining. And, and in my opinion, like if, if you're collecting basketball cards, it's because you like watching basketball. Like, so like you said, like it, it provides an amazing advantage over others and stuff. So
0: yeah, let's, let's jump over to, to the shows. We, we are, uh, we can talk about basketball forever. So I know before we hopped on, we were talking about you've you're on the road quite a bit and you're at a lot of these shows and I want to I want to talk about just like what's going on at the shows the dealer's mindset um but maybe do a quick rundown you know last few months like where where have you you been and like what is your like what is the vibe of what's happening at, at shows right now
1: Yeah for sure so um um the last 6 weeks no so it was May yeah last so in the last 6 weeks I've done miami wisconsin then dallas um then houston then philly and then i just got back and there was a couple of weeks off in between but i was doing the shows in cali so basically every weekend um for the last six weeks at least and then before that there was there was other shows too and everything but this has definitely been like a slate that's been a little little crazy for sure um so you know i've kind of you know all the so six weeks ago, prices were, you know, X, and then we've seen them go down since then. You know, you kind of being at these shows and stuff, you definitely do see the apprehension and buying. um, And you see the people that are trying to make plays on the dips, um, including myself. And uh, yeah, I mean, the activity at the shows like, there there hasn't really been like a show that I've been to where it seems like the market is dipping um, because there's just still so much activity. It's just, Prices are going down and and people are a little bit apprehensive about throwing around like bigger amounts of money and stuff like that after seeing like prices go down and stuff. But, you know, on the on the lower end of things like 25 to $100 cards and then even like in that middle end around like anywhere from 100 to like $1,500 cards, um, I haven't noticed a ton of, you know, inactivity or anything like that, because again, like. At those price points and everything, it's so much safer. There's so much less exposure that um, people are willing to at least take a chance, even if it goes down, to buy it on that dip or whatever. Um, And then, obviously, like, you know, uh, back in like February and March, I mean, like the amount of money being thrown around and the amount of people just like buying stuff was just insane. I think everyone, I, I don't think it's any like crazy insight to say that like it has definitely simmered down since then and on the internet as well. But, you know i mean there's an interest you know a lot of people have been talking about that because of all the shows and stuff maybe that's why prices are going down because you've got all these private sales that are happening um left and right and they're not buying on ebay but they're using their comps for ebay um i think that's an extremely valid argument but i also just think this stuff was just way too high and um I think at some point here, like it's gonna get to be too low. Um, because I, I the the apprehension I'm seeing in buying is interesting because it's like, well, at certain prices, like it's totally fine to buy, I feel like, but people still don't want to do it because they're just so afraid of it going down. So that's interesting because it makes me think that there's going to be a bottom eventually, and people will be afraid to buy, and then there's gonna be people that buy, which will cause it to actually go up. Um, slightly and then we'll have like a new like floor or whatnot but there's going to be an opportunity to where things are just too low for a second and then one thing i've noticed about card shows as of late like i noticed this in philadelphia for sure i noticed this in houston is that certain cards like people just won't sell them for what the comps are right now like they're just not interested in selling them Like, you know, full disclosure, I've been trying to buy like a LeBron top scrum refractor just because I kind of want to just have one because I feel like maybe it's a good time to buy one right now. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But um, like I go around to the Houston show. I go around to the Philly show. And um, one, there's just none around, which is kind of interesting to me. There's like, there's just none available. And then two, when I do find one, um, they want like, you know, twice what it's worth. And I go like, well, I mean, is it negotiable? They're like, yeah, of course, negotiable. And then it's like, okay, well, can you get to like where the market is on them? And nobody's interested. Now, I'm not saying that that means that we're at the bottom right now. I'm not saying that it means that like, oh, like that means everything's going to go up. I'm just saying I notice things like that, and I go, okay, interesting. Okay, so like, if I can find you know a refractor and a grade that I like or something like that, maybe it's a good time to get it. But again, like, you know, I could. I've seen so many dips over the last few months that it's like I am so apprehensive to ever say like yeah it's like a good time to buy right now but yeah been noticing that stuff and everything but that being said too that's that's me as like you know a novice like uh dealer just going around to shows and stuff like that i can't imagine what some of these other guys are seeing and stuff um that really know what they're doing and everything and um you know i've talked to some of them and everything and you know some of them seem like they they're some of them are like pretty hip and smart in the way that like they're like, no, this stuff is just low. It'll go back up because they just understand the cycles of the card market and stuff. um And then some of them are just like, oh, yeah, this stuff's, you know, it's never going back up. Cards are done. and I don't know. I, I think they're right. I think those guys are right about some cards. Like, I think some some cards like, you know, some cards I don't think are going to recover. I just don't. um They shouldn't have been expensive to begin with. They shouldn't have gone up. there They shouldn't have really gone up. You know, I think we're going to we're going to see like a total just like we I mean, this isn't any crazy inside either. People have talked about it. It's just like we had a junk wax era. We're going to see a junk slab era. And, you know, we're probably like, if not heading there, we're already like kind of in it a little bit. So, I mean, that's, you know, some of the stuff I've been noticing and everything, but, um, yeah,
0: well, there's, there's not too many other people that I, I know that have flown around and been to that many shows. So like good pulse of what's happening. And I think just, yeah, I think we're all in this period where everyone with the ultra modern base stuff, has seen that. And I, I, I'm with you on that, man. Like I'm not looking back on it, uh, you know, six months, a year ago. Yeah. That stuff was way too high. And I I don't think based on population reports and who knows all the stuff that's at PSA getting ready to be delivered. I would imagine a lot of that stuff is, uh, just the ultra modern base stuff. So I think it's, it's just good to be, to recognize that and be mindful of that. Um, but maybe just Talk about like you're going to each of these shows. Like, what's what's your intention? Like, how are you how are you preparing for the show? Like, is there prep work ahead of time? Like, talk to me a little bit about that because I know a lot of people listening will be going to the national and 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 probably their first show post COVID here soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. So as far as prep, like you know, um, there's a little bit for me, but not a ton. Um, I could probably be like wildly more successful if I did put more prep into it. But for me. Number one thing is like just having my logistics down. And again, like I'm not a pro at going to shows or anything like that, but I have gone to enough over the last six months to where like, I'm starting to figure out like, oh, got it. Like it'd be so much smoother if I just did this. Um, so, I mean, for me, just logistics, having like hotel and flight. And if you need a rental car, knowing the difference, if you need a rental car or you want to just take Ubers. And then, you know, obviously if you can cut down costs, like by bunking with somebody or something like that, I'd say number one, just having all your logistics taken care of. Not be doing like a thing where it's like it's the week before and I'm like trying to get all my logistics taken care of just, you know, take care of them. One thing that I definitely do is I, I have, I don't have a hard budget in mind. Like I don't have a hard budget set for like what I'm willing to spend going to do a show. But also like shows can get pricey as far as expenses because you get you know, possible car rental, you got hotel flight, table fees, stuff like that. So my thing is I like to have like a range and, um... I like to try to keep it in that range. And so I actually have a Google Sheet where literally like um it adds everything up. So and then I have like, you know, categories and stuff. So as I'm purchasing my flight, purchasing, you know, my my hotel, um and then when I'm actually on the plane going there, at the airport picking up a water bottle, I'm actually like logging like all my expenses and stuff. And then when I get to the hotel that night, I'm looking at my Google Sheet and I'm saying, "Okay, this is where I'm at with my expenses." that's my range of my budget. Okay. So maybe I can go have a couple nice dinners, but like, I can't go crazy or anything like that. And I'll be within my budget. So that's, that's a thing for me is definitely like have an idea of like what everything's going to cost. So you can like budget properly and stuff. And then if you can cut any corners that makes sense, do it. If and know what to know, what corners to cut and stuff like that. For me, you're not trying to cut corners on how nice of a hotel or anything like that, like definitely just get like a nice hotel right there. And, and, you know, there's a couple exceptions for that, but don't go stay at the Don't go stay at the motel six, 20 miles away. Don't do that. You know, little things like that, I guess for me, you know, once you get all that down and stuff, other than that, for me, it's just, uh, I bring like, I bring a backpack and I'm a minimalist. I've become a minimalist in the last like five years. So basically like for a three day show where I'm gone for like four days, I'm bringing four pairs of underwear, four pairs of socks, and then two t-shirts. I wear a pair of pants and then I'll have a pair of swim trunks. And those will double as my shorts if I need them or anything like that. And that's all I bring for clothes. So I put that into a backpack. It takes up zero space. And then, yeah, so I'm I'm literally... I have a backpack and then I have my case with cards like in one hand. That's And that's it. I love that because it's traveling light. I don't have a suitcase. I don't have a bunch of stuff that I don't need. Um, I'd say if you can... Uh, go onto like a minimalist website and just look up like a, like packing kits or what is it? Minimalist packing uh, lists. Like those are really fun to look at sometimes because sometimes you're like, Oh cool. Like I don't need to bring all my toiletries. I can just bring like this, this and this, and I'm good to go. Like, and it's amazing how much you don't need to go on a trip. Um, I think that's always pretty amazing and stuff. Like, cause I see some dudes go to card shows and they're bringing like two suitcases. And I'm like, what are you bringing? Like, is there any cards in there? They're like, no, it's just clothes and stuff that I might need. And I'm like, what could you possibly need? It's a card show. You need to stick a deodorant and like fresh underwear. That's it.
0: Stick a deodorant and and, um, some fresh undies, everybody. Make sure you have that when you're heading to Chicago for the national. Not
1: not enough people have them in Chicago based off (laughs) a historical Um, reference. So so one thing I've picked up on, definitely you're
0: very cost uh, conscious you're, youre you've got a budget in mind, like what happens to you when you're like sitting at your table or you're out on the floor talking and, and then you see like you get hit in the face with that card that's like I was not expecting this type of card to be here, but this is a card I want like how do you process like making a decision on if that should be a play or not?
1: yeah, definitely, so I mean again, going along to a card show you're going to put yourself in a way better position if you have cash on you. Having cash on you is huge. In fact, like they're, like some of the best in the game, they don't even go with cards. They literally just go with cash and they just go and buy because shows are the absolute you know, best places to buy at. That being said, if you see a card that you come across that you really like that just sticks out, well, that's kind of the, the risk you take when you go to a card show is you get there. Maybe you see like a bunch of cards right away that you like. Maybe you see one card that you're just like, oh my gosh, I really want that card. And then you're basically, you're in this dance basically of when do I spend my money? You know, do I count on like selling some cards to try to buy it? You know, like it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. And I think you're gonna, you're gonna like make mistakes on that and everything. You're gonna like buy the card when you didn't need to buy the card. You could have waited a couple of days to buy it or you're going to, um, wait a couple of days to buy and it's going to be gone. Like that's going to happen. But for me personally, um, as I've gone to more shows, I get a lot better at figuring that out. For instance, in Dallas day one, right when I got there Thursday night, dealer night, there was a card that like me and my buddy really wanted. Um, he was at a certain number. We offered him a pile of cash. He didn't want to take it. We were about to come up to his number and, you know, we were just like, look, like, we think this is a good deal, but like, let's back off because this would literally cut our liquidity in half for the entire show. And it's day one. And, um, we are so unsure whether we need to do this or not, but sometimes when you're just not hundred percent sure you need to back off and do nothing. And, uh, and it ended up working out really well for us because well, for me personally, because the card was available a couple days later for the price that we were offering. And even in just that time, we figured out that the price we were offering was probably way too fair. So we should have even been a little bit under. And so he came back to me, was like, Hey, do you want it for that price you offered? I was like, Nah, man, I'm going to have to pass. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we've dodged a bullet in a way. I mean, there's nothing wrong with if we had bought it, like it would have been a great buy still. It's just, you know, so I mean, there's things like that. And then, literally i was in philly and you know i saw one card that i was like oh yeah that's nice can i take a look at it looked at it, i was like oh it's great what do you want for it oh decent price say well i'll be back i'm just gonna look around a little bit walk around come back card's gone so i mean like it just happens but you just learn you get better at it and i really would relate it to like a dance like if you show up to a dance studio and you don't know anything about ballroom dancing and you go and try and do a foxtrot you're not going to You're gonna look like an idiot doing it, but it's like you have to go through that. Like you have to make the mistakes and like get better at it and stuff. So, in that regard, I'd say the best preparation you can have is have as much money as possible. And I know that's like a tough thing, but it's like you gotta just like figure out how to do it. And if you don't do it, it's not the end of the world. Like if you don't have a ton of money at a card show, you know what? It's fine. Don't worry about it. Bring cards. You know, if you don't have cards, that's fine too. Just go and learn. Just go and talk to people. Look at cards, learn. That's fine. I would say if you don't have cards or cash, it's because you're in a situation where you need to be learning. So like it's a win-win. Like you like you would probably you'd probably make some bad decisions if you had the the cards or cash. But that being said, like there's been times where like I've shown up to shows I literally had zero money. Um, one was in Chicago 2019 when I had just bought my Luca Prism Gold. I had zero money. I showed up to the show with nothing but cards and I had to sell cards and I did that and I made some money doing it and everything, but I would have been so much better off if I had money because then I could have been making buys and stuff. And that's where you can do really well. So, I mean, it's, you know, I I would say be very cautious, come up with a lot, like have a lot of money that ready to go if possible, bring nice cards, uh, but don't bring nice cards that like, if they, if they leave your hand, you're going to be sad about. And that's another tough thing too, is like, sometimes you got to, let go of cards to figure out, oh, like I have to learn about which cards I don't want to let go about because I don't understand it until they're gone. That's a that. tough one, you know? That's a tough one. Because I mean, like you've, I'm sure you've had it too. There's been cards that you let go of and you're just like, oh, I really, really liked that card and I might not be able to get it again. And I wish I hadn't have done that. And sometimes you have to just do that so you can feel it and like figure that out and be like, oh, okay, got it. I'm learning. I don't want to do that again. I feel like you reach a point with your cards and what you're
0: trying to do where like, it's me right now where I go look at everything There, you know, there's a 5,000, 7,000, you know, whatever type of card that pops up on eBay. And it's like, you know what? I can't just like dip into my, my own like finances for this right now. Like I, this isn't this, I just shouldn't do this. And well, what my, I've, card equity so what do i do i go look at my cards and it just that's when you really know you're like i don't want to give up this and you start ranking them if this card was in my collection where would it be so i think that's part of it and it, it i feel like the more stories i hear it's the people who keep moving up but you got to make a lot of tough decisions uh, along the way and so much good insight there that you shared just from your own personal experience but i'd love to maybe just close it out with this just people are going to shows, people maybe feel like they need to go buy a bunch of cards or find their next grail. Um, And chances are it probably, maybe not, it's not going to happen. So, But I do think there is the going to shows because you're seeing people you have spent the last year DMing on Instagram or communicating with. And just there's a lot of people that you're there building relationships with. So maybe like, let's close it out with just like, whether it is doing deals, whether it is just meeting buddies, like just the importance of like building developing relationships and then being at a show with someone that you you're meeting in person for the first time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I say this to people all the time. And I think they're just saying I think they just think that I'm trying to be nice and I'm not. I say, like, if you spent fifteen hundred dollars on expenses to go to the Dallas Card show, to go to the national. And all you do is go to the show and talk to people, and just hang out and like you know, like rub shoulders with like people and stuff like that. That's an amazing investment. Amazing investment. That fifteen hundred, like if you actually think about it, might turn into way more than fifteen hundred just based off of like, you know, going there and what you learned and who you met and stuff like that. You know, I I just think like I, I couldn't stress it enough, like just going to shows like I I encourage anybody who's trying to get better at this to just go to shows go to shows like it doesn't need to be a Dallas card show it can just be a little local show or like any show that's in the area or any show that just works out maybe your family takes a vacation and there's like the Philly show going on right across the street or something I would just say do that because my personal experience the guy that I've partnered with, on a bunch of cards and i would strongly encourage um people not to partner on people with cards just because it's like a marriage it really really is man because then like all of a sudden like you like anything anything that you know you 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 see the worst of each other basically so it's like you got to be cool with that and everything and you and you see like and you have to run things by them and they have to run things by you and it's like Unless you really get along and you're offering something to the partnership and they're offering something to the partnership, um, I, I would discourage against it. But that being said, the guy that I partner with on a bunch of cards, I love him. He's like a really good friend of mine. Uh, now I met him at a card show. I met him, like met him first time ever. I I'd known about his Instagram handle and stuff like that. Met him at a card show, uh, Chicago 2019. I would just say, like, you never know, like who you'll meet or who you'll talk to and where that'll end up going. And just by meeting and talking to that guy at the card show and like keeping in touch and, and the relationship we, you know, you know, that was created and stuff and, and all the stuff that we've done together, we've both made each other a whole bunch of money and, and got each other a bunch of really cool cards and stuff, you know? And so you can't put a value on the expenses that I paid to go to that show. What's so cool about going to shows is like you, a lot of these collectors, they're doctors, lawyers maybe like nuclear physicists. I don't know. They're like really interesting and cool people. And you start talking to them about things that like aren't card related or are card related, but they have to do with like what they do and stuff. And it's so fascinating. You learn so much. I've been learning so much about you know the fractional stuff just by going and talking to some of these people at shows. I've been learning so much about the tax side of things, legal sides of all kinds of different things by going to shows and meeting collectors that are lawyers, you know, and just like picking their brain for a second, but like, oh, gotcha. So uh, you're telling me when the golden website crashed and like ruined a bunch of sales for people, like this is the thing that you could have done about it. Oh, okay. That's good to know going forward. So like, yeah, I mean, it's really an old cliche, man, but like the, the value is in knowledge. The value is in information. Chris HOJ always says this is that the hobby that we live in and everything like that information is the most valuable thing and and that can mean a a bunch of different things that can also mean like going to a trade night and just knowing more than somebody else that you're trading with. you know it can it can mean a bunch of different things but a hotbed for like information and knowledge is that card shows uh because you're dealing with people that have been in the hobby for decades you know and you're dealing with people that have been in the hobby for a couple of years but they really know all the tech stuff and all the new things that are coming along and they know like you know you know all kinds of stuff from just studying content and everything like that. So you get like this mixed mixed mash of people. and you know it's cool, man. It's like it's like the floor of a stock market meets like a uh, symposium or something, you know it's 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 really cool. It's a great place to learn and everything like that. And so I would definitely encourage people to go to card shows, man and uh, and hopefully just you know find enjoyment in cards other than just making money because if your goal is to just make money in cards, I'm telling you right now, like, Unless you're like extremely, extremely talented, it's going to be a rough ride for you. I mean, I, I would say most of any success that I've encountered in cards, it's because I actually love the cards, like really love the cards. And I've just gotten lucky because I, I gravitate towards cards that I really like. And because I really like them, other people usually really like them too outside of just like, Oh, I think it's going to go up in value.
0: So much knowledge and insight, man. This was awesome. I I learned something. I hope everyone out there, uh, learned something too, especially about going to shows before I let you completely off the hook. Who is winning the NBA finals this year?
1: Phoenix suns, baby.
0: (laughs) I thought, I thought you might say they sure as hell look like they, they should be, man. They look like world beaters out there. Uh, You know, we all saw it in the bubble. I think we all saw it forming in the bubble last year. And then you throw a CP3 in the mix and we're seeing it live right now. So they've got just as good of a shot as anyone, I think.
1: I'm just so happy for Devin Booker, man. This is a guy who's in his sixth year. He's played on just absolutely garbage teams. He's never been in the playoffs. And this kid wants to be great. And he's been told his entire career so far that he's just an empty stats player on you know a shitty team and uh and now he's getting to prove like what he can do on a big stage when he has the horses around him and even still people are saying oh it's just chris paul it's just chris paul and honestly man i love it because that means that devin booker stuff is still reasonably priced but yeah man it's it's really cool to watch i don't know who's gonna win i just love watching it all and uh i hope the suns i hope the suns win because i'd go crazy But yeah. We'll see man.
0: That's awesome. Well, you can go follow him at Coleman Cards. Thank you so much, brother. have to have you back on and I'll catch you at a show.
1: Brett, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you having me on.
0: I had an absolute blast listening to his insights. And that was a fun conversation. I've been following him for some time, watching him hop on other pods and YouTube shows. Tons of knowledge there. One of the good dudes in the hobby. Make sure you go hit follow on his IG and check out those cards that he is bringing to the table. If you like what I'm doing, hit that subscribe button. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back next week with more Stacking Slabs podcast.